and welcome back to the Keeping It Together podcast. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Alyssa. Are you happy to be here? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I was like, man, what's going on? Welcome to the show, guys. It's been a really interesting segment. Um, this has been a very... The segment's kind of been in one place, but at the same exact time, yeah. all over the place. Yeah, this uh, new self-care mental health segment has been... It's been really good. It's been... We were talking about this before we started this recording. It's been very therapeutic for us. Very good. It's been a little dark. Um, Not usually our comedy style, but thanks for keeping along with us, guys. It's been a trip. It really has been <laughs> a lot of emotional stuff kind of going on, but um, I, I think it's needed to talk about this. Um, I think it's important too with with the show. We've talked about this too many times. A huge reason we did this show was to talk about the things in life that are difficult that a lot of people don't talk enough about, um, and that's why we wanted to do a second installment of of this segment. So, one, thank you guys for being on this journey with us. We know the last episode was extremely tough. You're telling me, but we we appreciate everybody who listened, and we appreciate everybody who is listening today. You guys are important. You matter. You are the reason this show is going on. Yeah, you know why? Why? Because guess what we're about to do? Oh, what are we about to do? Oh, we're about to have a live show. A live show. July 27th at the Williamsburg Music Center. Yes. That was good. Wait, I'm not even a singer, but I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was pretty on key. I don't even know what happened there. <laughs> but yes, we are doing the Keeping It Together live show. We know things have been weird, and it's going to get even weirder at the live show. We promise it'll be all laughs at the live show, guys. Sorry. like. <laughs> It's going to be a good time. It's the best way to spend your Saturday night in the hot summer with us. There's going to be guests. There's going to be games. There's going to be surprise things happening. We're going to even have some sponsors. That's so excited to bring you guys to this. This show has been something we've been working on for a long time. Um, and it's our way to celebrate over a year of doing this thing with the people that have made it possible. And that is you. Make sure to reserve your ticket. I cannot stress this enough. Please reserve your ticket. There is an Eventbrite link in this episode in the last seven. We only have so many seats, y'all. You don't want to miss out. We will have tickets available at the door, but there will be a very, very limited amount as there is limited seating. Please, please, please buy your tickets. We've had so many people already buy them, and it's been incredible to see the love um, from yes, our friends and supporters. We love you. <laughs> um, so link, don't forget to click that Eventbrite link uh, in our bio and get your ticket. It's going to be a great, great time. And you even get to be a part of the show. Heck yeah. Surprise, bitch. Surprise, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Some fries. Supplies. All rise. Oh my God. I'm done. Uh, well, let's get into this shindig. I'm trying to like reduce the amount of like cursing I'm I'm doing. I'm really trying to control myself. Uh, my mom told me she doesn't listen as much because I, I use a lot of swear words. Oh, and I don't blame her. I Ugh. like realized I do. I was like, wow. I can't make any promises about me. I'm sorry. No, damn. I think my mom is coming too. Ooh. I know. I think my parents are coming. So if y'all want to meet my parents, they're fun. <laughs> hey, hey, y'all, y'all want to meet my parents? <laughs> it sounded so bad. Yeah, it sounded so southern. Dude. Oh, I know. 
Um, well, let's jump into today's topic before we get too derailed. Um, so continuing on with this segment, um, one of the things we wanted to talk about is what it's like to kind of function with mental illness. But I want to do it in we want to do it in this really lighthearted way um, of really what it means to be keeping it together. A huge reason um, I think I've told you this before, the reason I really wanted to kind of keep our, our show this name was because a theme in my life of how I'm always trying to keep it together. Um, I've been very vocal about my own mental illness. Um, I've been functioning with depression and anxiety since I was about 12 years old, 12, 13, when I first got diagnosed. Um, And I remember in a therapy session once, my therapist told me, um, no matter what you do in life, it's important to remember the ways to keep it together. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? What do you mean I got to keep it together? I am keeping it together. (laughs) But she said it in a way that resonated with me of, no, what it means is a lot of times when when we do get kind of in our own heads, we we lose sight of who we are and what's going on around us. And it's important to remember what's going on around. One of the best techniques out there is about grounding yourself. And I've always resonated with myself like, I'm keeping it together. I'm doing okay. I'm I'm happy and I'm really okay. Yeah. But I've always kept that phrase on repeat of I'm keeping it together. And it, in like a positive way of like, I'm doing great. I'm rolling along. Like I'm doing this in the right it. way. Out here killing it. <laughs> Um, and, and that was kind of a, a huge reason uh, behind why we named the show what we did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how many times do we ever say that phrase, I'm keeping it together? Like, outside of the show. That's a good question, because I actually don't know. What? I say, it, I say it all okay, the time. Okay, I feel like we we picked it up in frequency when we started the show. Because we, like, say it as, like, a joke together. We're like, we're keeping it together. And, like... You know, do a little shoulder shimmy. Oh, thing. yeah. Like, sometimes I forget. Like, I was telling my coworkers, like, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just keeping it together. And I was like, hey. Like, the, <laughs> that head thing. Um, but it is important um, to kind of talk about this stuff because there are plenty of times I'm not keeping it together. I and mean, I, there, there are also plenty of people out there who struggle with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it really helps to know that you're not alone mm-hmm. in your struggling, that there are other people who deal with the same thing. Keeping it together with many other people. One of the things I've recently kind of tried, I've been to a couple of them, have been uh, some group therapy sessions. Yeah. I, I never thought I would be a person to to try it, but I'm always a don't knock until you try it. And it's really helpful to be in a support group of people like that. Yeah to talk about what's going on in your life and understand that there are people alongside doing it with you. Yeah. I think, um, group therapy is the next step in my process. So right now I'm just in, uh, you know, one-on-one therapy with a count with a therapist, um, just because I'm tackling both grief and anxiety and stress at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. And I just want to learn how to cope with both of those first therapy is amazing whether it is individual or group um i remember one of the first times with uh i i recently had to get a a new therapist because my last one she was amazing but sometimes schedules just get in the way and so now i do um weekend sessions and i sat down and i go i got a lot of shit to talk about and she just laughed and i was laughing and it was a (laughs) great way to kind of go into it because i like you post on the twitter of like me walking into my first therapy session with all this baggage 
Uh, and I really felt like I sat down <laughs> and all the baggage fell down with me. It was funny because I came in with like my work bag and I just like sat and I was like, I'm sorry I'm late, but we got a lot of shit to do. <laughs> uh, and it was kind of a, a good way. I, I'm i a person who likes to deal with um, negative uh, events in my life with comedy. Yeah, I'm, I'm like that as well. I think it just makes things seem more lighthearted and it's like, well... This shitty thing is happening to me. At least I can laugh about it or something, you know? Right. It's a, it's been a tough thing for me to do because I, it's only been a recent thing, um, to use humor as a way to cope with things. Um, before I was in therapy and really trying to deal with all my own mental illness, it, it was tough. Um, and it's taken a lot of time and learnings to understand what that means and, and to do things kind of outside of my comfort zone in a way that helps me become a better person, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of different methods out there. Um, for me, I'm crazy and I am trying to go into the comedy scene here in New York and I have been to a few open mic nights and that's been kind of a big way that I've dealt with my own anxiety about talking about it on stage and somehow doing it in a way that makes people laugh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I talk about all the times I remember I was in um one of the bits I recently did was how I was talking about subway rats and my irrational fear of them along with pigeons and how my what? my biggest fear in the world is to be trapped in a subway car with pigeons and subway rats. <laughs> And oh my God. recently, it was like six months ago, I was on the train by myself and it was like in the middle of the day on a weekend. So it was an emptier train. And all of a sudden there's a pigeon on the train. Are you serious? And I'm like, not today, not today. And I'm like, today's not going to be that day where a rat comes out of nowhere. And what happens next? A rat came out of nowhere. A rat came down and sat right next to me and I'm sitting there clutching my bag breathing i'm like i am okay but there is a rat next to me and i'm okay and then the pigeon comes hopping on along and i'm like on the end of you know how there's like those two seaters like right yeah. next to the the doors on the ends of trains i was in one of those and so the rat comes down from the sea where i'm at and goes and sits next to the pigeon and they're both staring at me like what you gonna do are you what serious? you gonna do in this moment and you know what i did I got out of the next stop and I ran and went into the next train because I did not want to deal with it. It was awful. My worst fear came into reality and I was That's terrified. Wild. That is wild. That's like the universe knew it was time to fuck It was with like time to deal with this pigeon and this rat. They're disgusting. And I don't know why I have such an irrational fear of them. I mean, they're pretty gross. So it's it's acceptable to have a fear of them. They are awful and they're mean. Yeah. Like they don't give a fuck about you or what you're doing. Uh, and I got, I got like super anxious in that moment and I like busted out and ran. And I was, I don't even remember what stop it was at because it was definitely not the stop I needed to get to. Um, but, but coming out and kind of talking about the little anxieties and, and events in my life has been a phenomenal coping mechanism for me. Yeah. I would say that my outlet is music. So with a lot of situations that I've been dealing with that have caused me stress and anxiety, I've been trying to write songs about it. I've actually, that's a pretty yeah. common way for musicians and artists like yourself to do. And that's incredible to have that type of outlet. I, um, I actually wrote a song that I'm hoping to record um that talks about the stress and anxiety and just all the stuff that was going on with me mentally how 
how I was kind of dealing with it, I would say maybe like back in like the winter, mm-hmm. but I put it in like this very lighthearted way. Was this the tired song? Yeah. Ah, such a good yeah. song. So hopefully be a bop. It, it'll, it'll be a bop. Um, so hopefully that will come out to like, cause I think, I think it's a, it is a very, the way that I wrote it, it's a very real way how people describe how, like what is mentally wrong. Like, you know, somebody asks you, how are you? And you could literally list a million things that are going wrong that day that are causing you to be so down. And just instead you just go, oh, I'm just tired. Right. And that's what I just kept giving with giving an answer as Mm -hmm. Um, when really there were a lot of other things going wrong that were really affecting me mentally Mm -hmm. and emotionally. Um, So and that has always kind of been a way that I have used, um, Mm -hmm. you know, use something to cope with what I was going through. That's awesome. That's so important. Um, you got to find outlets and every person is going to be different when it comes to what their outlet is. Yeah. And there are so many good things out there, such as music, such as comedy, such as uh, going out into the wilderness. You just went on a really good hike. Yes. You went out I to where? Did. Mount Beacon? Yes. So, um, yeah, in, in my journey of trying alternative things to do, um, you know, I went out and I went on a hike with a friend and... I unplugged for a while as well because you, I mean, you can't really text when you're climbing up a mountain. No, you definitely Um, cannot. And it was just really nice to also be in the fresh air, be out of the city, be out of the crazy hustle and bustle. I got to ride in a car that wasn't an Uber and like control (laughs) the music and like sit in the front seat. That's important. That I've, I've missed that kind of shit. Um, and so, um, you know, that was such a great experience. And then even just sitting on top of the mountain and just like looking out like just to the whole town below mm-hmm. and like the Hudson River. Um, it was it was a really just amazing moment. And I also, you know, spent that whole trip trying to stay in the moment. That's and, such a hard thing to do nowadays because mm-hmm. we're so inclined to snap a photo, put it on an Insta story or a Snapchat mm-hmm. and like somehow document it. Yeah, it's like did did you did you really go hiking if you didn't if you didn't post about it? It's almost um, like if you go to a concert, did you really go to a concert if you don't yeah. post whatever's going on? But, you know, also too what I was trying to do is practice a uh, a tool called mindfulness. Hey, um, how many times do I say <laughs> mindfulness is the best thing you yes. can do? So you you tell me this all the time, but then also when I was a senior in college, um, I took a college class. It was art and science of medicine. And the first five minutes of class, she would make us do mindfulness meditation. So while I wasn't technically meditating, I was just trying to stay in that moment, like not worrying about what we were going to do after the hike, how we were going to get home. Honestly, you know, that kind of stuff. That's a form of meditation. A lot of times people think meditation is when you're sitting and then cross like a business going home. Like that's a form of it. But meditation comes in so many different forms. And a lot of it is being mindful. What's going on in your situation? What is going on in this moment right here, right now? And for me, that is the best way that I deal with my anxiety and I tell everybody to do it because it's so powerful because it really grounds you. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying to do that a lot more and more recently. Um, especially when like going to bed at night, cause you know, when you go to bed at night, like a million thoughts race through your heads. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, when I was, when I was on that trip by not, by not worrying so much about what was going to happen, you know, next, I just kind of went with it and the day did not go as initially planned. 
and you know me i'm normally a person i like to stick to plan hmm. um yeah you are but i was actually really okay with just going with the flow of things mm-hmm. and you know i've come into the studio today and you know we recorded the episode about zach before this episode mm-hmm. and I'm in a better state just mentally and emotionally. Like I'm still hurting. Like there's still stuff going on in my head, but the whole state in general, I, I feel better coming back to it all. The power that comes from releasing emotions and speaking about what is going on in your head is the best form of therapy. A lot of times people think bottling up and not dealing with the emotions is is great, but I am against that. Again, I'm not a professional. These are just my own thoughts and opinions. But from my personal experiences of letting out whatever is going on in my life is the tr- the best thing you can ever do for yourself. Yeah. And, and like I told you before, I'm so proud of you for even doing that. There are a lot of people out there who can't who don't have that that type of courage to do it so early on in the process. But yeah. I, I just look at you from what we're doing now in this episode, what we did before. It's like you're a whole new person. There's like this light in your eyes and it's so cool to see. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to see light at the end of the tunnel. Um, what I've also been trying to do to cope with a lot of things. Um, I brought a couple books with me today. Hey, um, love a good book. I have, I have a friend who's been helping me. They've dealt with their own anxiety and such mm-hmm. and how they kind of handled it is they did mindfulness. They yep. read a lot of books. They, they did their own thing. And so they've been giving me a lot of suggestions. Um, so first they suggested this book called emotional first aid. And it's funny that you mentioned the talking about it. Cause actually in this book, they talk about, um, you know, the, the way people handle grief. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different for everybody. It's That's different for thing. everybody. There's no right way. Um, but in this book, they mentioned that, um, you know, how a person grieves is obviously their right way. And there's, there's two kind of different ways that people grieve. They'll mm-hmm. talk about it and they'll be very open about it. And that's what works for them. Right. Um, and then there's the other half of people who they don't talk about it at all. They ask that people don't bring it up and that's therapeutic for them because for some yeah. people stuff is too traumatic to talk about because mm-hmm. to talk about it, they relive it. Yeah. And that, that makes sense to me. So this, that's also this, important too is, yeah. is again, not every coping mechanism is, is mm-hmm. right for everybody. you got to find the one that works for you. So this book is called Emotional First Aid, and it has the subtitle of Healing, Rejection, Guilt, and Failure, and Every Other Day Hurts. Um, it's by Guy Winch, who is a PhD, and he was actually a therapist to, well, a psychiatrist, to a lot of people around the time of 9-11. Oh, wow. So a lot of his patients, you know, he dealt with post-9-11, and that's where he came from with the grief where he had some patients, they would talk about what happened on 9-11 and there were other patients where they were in therapy for something before 9-11 and after 9-11, they're like, I don't, they don't want to talk about it at all. Yeah. Um, so you gotta, you gotta do the right coping me- mechanism that works for you. Of course. Um, so, you know, if, if reading books is your thing, um, I've really enjoyed this book so far. I kind of skipped to the grief chapter, but they cover a lot of different things in this book. So there's rejection, there's loneliness, uh, loss and trauma, guilt, rumination, failure, and um, low low self-esteem. So a couple different topics there. Um, another book I was just given, and I'm very excited to read it um, in just the sense that I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety, 
Um, so this mm-hmm. one is called Calming Your Anxious Mind. Ooh. Um, how mindfulness and compassion can free you from anxiety, fear, and panic. Um, and it's by Jeffrey Brantley, MD. And the foreword is by John Kabat-Zinn, PhD. So, you know, you got, you got these doctors who are writing about all these things that they've witnessed with their own patients and what they have done with their own research. Um, so, you know, if, if reading stuff like that helps you cope with what you're going through and kind of help make sense of it all, mm-hmm. then I highly suggest, you know, reading these books. But if reading is not your thing, yeah, that's okay. There are other ways around it if, you know, mindfulness could be yeah. your thing. So um, I used to be a person who wasn't about, like, reading books. Like, I used to read when I was a kid, and then when I got older, I was like, eh. Now I've gotten more into it and, and really tried to find, it sounds cliche, self-help books, but ones that are right for me. Um, like I said, I'm a person who likes comedy as an outlet and kind of an in-your-face technique. That is just the person I am because if I don't deal with it right there and then, uh, I'm going to get anxious. I'm going to go in my head. There's actually a great book that I, I'm almost done reading. It's called Unfuck Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life, and it's by a guy named Gary John Bishop, and he is a Scottish guy. He's from Glasgow, and the bio of him is that the grit and wit of his early life has contributed to his tough love, in-your-face approach to coaching. Coupled with world-class training and development, Gary has developed a potent brew of effectiveness and the ability to reach through the crust of people's lives and root out the deeper issues that consume them and tie them to their hurdles. Uh, and his ability to elevate and expand people's greatness makes the kind of life-altering impact that is so rare in the industry. Uh, again, for me, I'm a person who is in your face, so that's why this book worked for me because it made me realize at least recently what's been kind of triggering my anxiety and and making things a little difficult for me to go about i've been in my head a ton lately yeah and it's unfortunately a part of mental illness is that there's not just a quick fix to things and things don't shut off automatically At, at least for me my i come and go through waves and the waves for me are can be as little as a couple days to as long as a few months Um, And so for me, I've been trying to find different ways to deal with it when the waves come in those month-long forms. Um, I've been in like a really weird funk for like two or three months now, and I haven't really figured out why. And I ordered this book on Amazon because I'd seen rave reviews on BuzzFeed and Amazon and the New York Times um, about what this book has done for a lot of people. I'm like, I don't know, I'll give it a shot. And it really helped me reflect on what's been keeping me up at night, what has been distracting me at work, what has been on my mind. And it's a lot of self-confidence and body image issues and how I've not been dealing with um, my own physical appearance. Um, and, and it's actually caused some health problems for me. And I'm, and I'm dealing with them now, but a lot of them attributed to me actually reading this book and dealing like, wow, you need to go and take care of yourself physically. You're doing a great job taking care of yourself mentally, but because I'm not taking care of myself physically and dealing with these issues, it's triggered a ton of anxiety for me. And it's affected like work performance. It's affected my reactions to my friends, to my family and put me in this really bad funk and again I couldn't figure out why and I was like wow if I take a minute to get out of my head and really look around to see what the problem is um, I can identify it and then and then deal with it and it's really made me identify um, what the hell's been going on you know and and that's important to just realize that uh, sometimes things aren't always as bad as, as we make them out to be and anxiety can heighten that yeah 10 times oh my god a hundred totally times can. oh my god i it's gonna be bad i got in 
this little like argument with my boyfriend. I tried to cook um, sticky pineapple chicken and <laughs> I found this thing on Tasty and it looked really cool. It's like you put the, the chicken in a pineapple. We've gotten this before at Smorgasbord. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I found a recipe for it, right? And I was very adamant on putting the chicken into the pineapple with the rice. And the sauce was supposed to be thick. Well, when we went shopping, I couldn't find the garlic paste that you need to make this recipe. Yeah. And we're cooking everything. The chicken turned out really good. I tried to cut the pineapple in half and core out all of it. And I could not core it out. And I started getting really in my head and freaking out that I couldn't core out a pineapple when I've done it a million times before. And then I'm trying to make the sauce. Oh, boy. (laughs) And let me tell you, I could not get this sauce to be thick enough to, like, grasp onto the chicken. It was kind of, like, almost, um, it was a little too watery. You had to use, like, chicken stock in it. And it was just not going anywhere. And my boyfriend could see I was not okay. And I was like, it's not sticky chicken. It's watery, poopy chicken now. And I, (laughs) like, freaked out because the the chicken was not sticky there was no pineapple i somehow we saved one half of a pineapple and <laughs> i got so frustrated i like threw a wooden spoon and like walked out of the room right and so he finished cooking and uh he put a little of the chicken in the pineapple he goes look it's pineapple in a chicken and i just kind of laughed oh and i and i felt so bad that i freaked out over the sauce not being I could thick just, enough. I could just picture Scott, like just quiet Scott, just like look. It just literally <laughs> he literally goes, Look. And I was I just laughed because I was like, Wow, I worked myself up over something that was so small, um, of of not cooking something right and almost like started a whole thing because of it. And a big issue of mine is I'm a perfectionist, so everything has to go right. It has to go according to plan, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't, I can freak out. And it just reminded me to remember to laugh. And now I can look at it as why did I freak out about pineapple chicken? (laughs) It was like so stupid. And now I'm just like, eh, eh, but I'm going to cook it again and it's going to be right the next time. All right, I'll hold you to it. I didn't have the garlic paste. There was no garlic paste. Order that on Amazon. I, I did. Are you serious? (laughs) They don't have it at a grocery store. There's only minced garlic. There's no garlic paste. That's weird. You would think you would think they would have that. At least here in New York, we're like, no, I couldn't find it. Or if it was there, I don't know where it was. Did you ask a store worker? I did. They were no help. Anyways, my point being, fired. This book reminded me to take a look around and get out of my head. And when I say get out of my head, I'm like, why am I upset? Why am I upset that the pineapple's not sticky? Why am I not upset the chicken is not sticking to the sauce? And when I identified what those were, it was more like, okay, what I'm really upset about is that I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not doing the things that I should be doing and I'm neglecting myself and still trying to help others when at the end of the day, I need to help myself first. Yeah, I I deal with that problem as well where... I give too much to others and I don't give enough to myself. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm exhausted. Like I just feel mentally and emotionally just drained. And it's like, that's not how it should be. My problem is, is sometimes I'll let those feelings at work out sometimes. Not that I'll like freak out at work, but you can just tell there's visibly something wrong with me. 
but I, I don't want to talk about it there because I'm there to do a job. I'm there to perform well. But when I'm not taking care of myself, sometimes my work can suffer from it. Yeah, I feel the same way there. I mean, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't try to like make mine sound more important. But I guess just like with my line of work, I have to be so like happy and peppy yeah. and on point with people. I couldn't do that. And on when a day I'm to having day. a bad day, you know, it's so hard to just stay at that level. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. If I have to be in a client call or something dealing with that, you have to be very client facing. You cannot let anything phase you. You can't. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, but sometimes it's really hard to not let those things get to you where yeah. I felt my performance fail before, like when I'm coaching or something like that, like I can feel myself not giving off as n- enough energy or not being as bubbly as I normally am or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, know? for me, I'll just make careless mistakes. Like, I'll forget little details. And those little details can pile up, and then I really beat down on myself when I do. And what I'm trying to do now is look at, okay, I made one mistake. I know what I did wrong. I will remember this so that the next time I do this next, this task again, I'm going to get it right, and there's not going to be something wrong. And it's a tough thing to do because – I, I try and separate those two parts of my life, but mental illness sometimes goes, ha ha, we're going to blend it all together. And you can't, you, you can't expect that to happen. So I try and give myself a break as, as much as possible and, and just try and do better the next time. Yeah. Or at least that's the approach I'm I'm trying to do now is, okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm not going to let it affect me personally. And I'm going to do better the next time. Yeah. I think I posted something similar to that to my, fitness account the other day a quote that's saying that you are doing the best that you can Mm -hmm. and that is good enough Mm -hmm. something along those lines the quote was definitely a lot longer Mm -hmm. um but i i I think that's a very important to note because it's very easy to beat ourselves up when we're not performing at what we normally perform Mm -hmm. but we're still trying and that's what we need to focus on is that we are still trying that's a tough i'm glad you bring that up because that is a tough point of of when you're in your head so much is you forget that you're trying and even when you're trying to get out of your head you forget that you're you're trying and you're constantly wanting to change and let it be a snap decision almost like a light switch like i'm bad and now i'm good i'm sad now i'm happy And a tough thing for me is that there is no light switch moment. There is not a one fix, like all of a sudden I'm going to be okay. You have to gradually build yourself up and pick yourself up out of that situation. And that's been a tough concept for me. And it's only been something in my recent years of therapy I've I've been able to do. Um, Like when I was a kid, I, I don't know how, you know, I've talked about before I was a figure skater and I remember there would be times I would, you know, get last place and, It would be really tough to like acknowledge that I did okay and that sometimes judging just wasn't fair and it was a sport that really could beat you down and I've had unfortunately a lot of things um, affect me from from those moments and in those moments where I was put in last or I didn't pass the right test to move on to the next level, I really would have to pick myself back up and when you're in those moments – you think that it's the end of the world. You think that it is the worst thing you could have ever done. And now I look back on it. I'm like, wow, I was 12 years old, 13 years old dealing with those. And somehow I was able to pick myself back up out of that situation. And then the next time I competed, I did great. And the next time I took that test to level up, I leveled up. 
And I try and think back on those moments now of when I was younger. I'm like, if I did it then, I can do it now. Exactly. And I may not do it right now, but I'm going to do it eventually. There you go. I think that's a wonderful way to look at it. I'm trying. Are you keeping it together? <gasps> I'm keeping it together. Ah. <laughs> um, but I, I think these are some good, at least conversation starters of ways to cope with with mental illness. Um, I think it's important to talk about it. And I love that there's been a social media push for it lately. It's I, all over Twitter. I really like how we are the generation that is becoming more open about it. Because mm-hmm. I think mental illness has definitely been a thing for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. But it's really with the millennial generation that it's been, you know, more openly discussed and more openly accepted. Yeah, people give us a lot of shit because we're very in tune with our feelings and they call us the emotional generation or the generation that um, has to be babied. And we're like, no, it's just called we're dealing with our shit, but we're dealing with it in a way that hasn't been done before. Yeah. We're talking about it. And that's what gets people uncomfortable. Right. Is when they have to face their fears and face their anxieties dead in the face. A lot of people can't do it. And it's a tough thing to admit when you are doing it. It is a very tough thing. Mm -hmm. But but I'm glad the conversation is starting because it, it opens up a lot of doors that haven't been there before. Yeah. Where that, you know, hopefully with future generations, we become more proactive with it. I think that's what it's about. I think that's truly what it is about is be proactive and and approaching it with an understanding and not of a what's wrong, what's going on. Just like, a okay, talk to me about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, just with mental, mental illness, you know, it's never totally curable and it's not something that you can totally prevent, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, You know, it happens genetically. It happens from a lot of lifestyle factors it's a big combination i've taken a I, my, my minor was in psychology so i remember little bits from college mm-hmm. uh but th- this was one of the things that um you know both you know genetically predisposed but then also shit that happens in your life mm-hmm. can you know cause you to develop this uh mm-hmm. mental illness uh so it's not it's not totally avoidable and unfortunately it's not totally treatable but it is you can live with it. There mm-hmm. is a way to live with it. People have done it before. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a treatable. It's not curable. Yet. Yeah, it's not, it's not curable, but it, yeah, it's treatable. Sorry. For me and my journey, I found out mine was genetics. Um, I've come from a line of people on both sides, my mom and my dad, that um, have suffered from mental illness um, in many different forms. And when I got diagnosed, um, I didn't want to deal with it at first. And I, I kind of put it off for a few years. And then when I got to college... My freshman year, I decided to really take action of it. One, because there were resources there. And two, I I could kind of figure it out on my own. And that's when I was told that it was a genetic issue because there were, we would talk about a lot of things happened in my childhood and early on. And I ended up getting some some tests done and and doing things. And when we talked about my family history, it was a kind of uh, a really difficult moment for me. To, to learn that it's been going on since then and that I thought I suppressed it and I quote unquote beat it, but that's not how it works. And I remember telling my parents this, um, I finally, we had a conversation two or three years, three years ago now, um, when I told them I was in therapy and on medication and we kind of had this big moment. My parents come from a medical background. So sometimes what, in the medical community, they'll first think of how can we cure this? 
right? But um, because I do come from a line of it, uh, their reaction, of course, was how can we cure this? Are you on medication? What are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm treating it. And I want to let you know that I'm going through this and I'm, I want to be open enough with you so that way you know what's going on, you know? Yeah. And and they're very understanding. And I'm, I'm lucky I, I come from um, a place where we've dealt with this previously. But it, it's important to... Um, deal with it in, in your own way. And for me, that was talking to my family about it. It was a very tough thing to do, um, but it was needed in my process, in my journey of opening up to the fact of, hey, I'm not okay today, but I'm going to be okay tomorrow. And when I'm not okay the day after that, you're going to know why, but you know I'm going to get over it and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. that That's a tough thing for me to realize sometimes is, when I do get into my head a lot is that I realize sometimes I feel like I'm not going to be okay. And then when I get to the next day and I sleep it off and, um, I go oh, walking. Sleep is so good. Sleep is good. Sleep is good. Sleep um, is good. Exercise is good. Mm-hmm. Um, eating right is good. Um, unplugging is good. Um, and it really just kind of hits the reset button. almost. Yeah. Unplugging is important. Oh my God. It's so important to just, take yourself out of the world of social media because a lot of it is fake, you know? And, you know, we see these people living these magnificent lives. I always got questions for those. In reality, you know, yeah, it looks magnificent behind the computer screen, but what is actually really going on there behind the scenes? Again, I always got questions because I look at what I'm doing with my life at 24 and I'm like, how are you going to China and doing all of this? And I'll get FOMO from it. I'll get so jealous. Yeah, see? And that it, I'm it not messes, doing that. It messes with your head and you're like, why am I not? Yeah. Why am I not like them? And then you start beating down on yourself and then that's where it goes. Go down and the rabbit hole. too, there's something about getting like likes and like that aspect of social media that can be... Or getting followers. Or getting followers. It's like a high. And so, you know, you're obsessed with like getting that number that Mm -hmm. when it doesn't happen for you, you kind of fall a little bit. Yeah. I remember being super obsessed with that in like high school when Instagram first came out and I wasn't getting enough likes. I wasn't having enough followers. And when I got to college, I just kind of said, whatever. If someone doesn't want to follow me or like me, whatever. That's that's their problem, not mine. I'm great. <laughs> I am a great person, okay? Uh, and it's tough sometimes because you want that number there almost. You want that satisfaction of having people like what you're doing and like what you're putting out there. And it's tough to change the mindset of, hey, I like what I'm putting out there and I don't need validation from other people. Um, but it takes a lot to get there. At least for me, it takes a lot. Cause I still have my moments where I'm like, why didn't that photo get enough likes? Was my caption good enough? Was the editing good enough on the photo? Was the content worthy enough, uh, for people to like it? Yeah. Do you ever experience that with like, you run multiple accounts, you have a personal and a fitness account. Um, yeah, just because, you know, uh, especially for like the fitness, um, the more likes I get, the more that. I'm being promoted out there. So the more business I could possibly get, mm-hmm. um, you know, so when I don't get a lot of likes or a lot of reaction from social media, I'm like, man, like I'm never going to take off. And I guess that would be the same thing like with music stuff as well. I mean, yeah, that, that is the exact same thing with music. Um, but there'll be so, that moment where it takes off. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's a little defeating when, you know, it isn't, it isn't working and it almost gets to a point where you're like, well, why am I even like bothering to do this? You know? Mm-hmm. 
that's the tough thing too when it when it comes with trying to put ourselves out there we hit that moment of realization of like what am i doing we talked about this with the thank me later girls that came on a couple episodes ago about trying to find the why we keep on going and and i find myself kind of reflecting on that a lot lately of why do we keep doing the show why do i keep working in the industry i'm doing why do i keep doing comedy and i look at it as and a lot of it the answer is the same because i like it and it's a sometimes it can be hard to just be satisfied with that answer of like oh people like what i the show people like my comedy i put out great work in media it can be hard sometimes to just come with that one answer of i like it and that's what should be what matters yeah you know i remember noel talked about this with her music she put out a great song don't get comfortable which i'm obsessed with and i remember talking to her after after the show about this question she was like, you know, I keep doing this because I really like my music and I really like being an artist and being creative. And I was like, I actually got back on stage like a week ago. I didn't tell people. You never tell people. No, but it but it inspired me <laughs> enough. I know I'm too nervous. One day I will. That day will be the live show. But it it got me to go back out there and I hadn't been behind a mic on a stage in like three or four months. Like it had been a hot minute and I got back out there and I heard the laughs and I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. And I really need to keep oh, doing I'm this. so funny. I'm just so funny. Oh my God, I'm so funny. I don't know if people were laughing with me or at me. I think they were laughing at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> did you make a joke about me? Yeah. <sighs> about Lula. About what'd you say about my cat? With the laser, how much we play with her with the laser and how this <laughs> bitch ran into the front door. She did. And she ran into this box next to our trash can. Kelsey put it on the box and she just like completely toppled it over and then sat in the box afterwards like she was done. I am done with you, humans. I am done with all of you. Um, but now she's like super obsessed with Kelsey and the laser. Like she'll look at Kelsey to play with the laser. Oh. It's too amazing. Oh. But my point being, uh, it can be tough sometimes to remember the why we're doing what we're doing. What do you do to kind of bring yourself back to it? Oh, man. I guess it just comes with the when I'm actually doing it. Because when I'm preparing for it, so a lot of things I do, I have to prepare for. Um, and, you know, preparation is work. And it's hard. And it's, you know, it's it's daunting in a way. It's like, oh, man, how am I ever going to make this work? Like, mm-hmm. is, is this Is this good enough? Is this good enough what I'm about to do? And then I actually go to do it. And I see the people's reaction, whether it's fitness, whether it's music. And I feel good doing it and I know my stuff and I'm confident with it. Um, And that is what makes it better. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great way to kind of close this episode out. I've gotten great takeaways for myself. um, And it's been good to kind of hear from you and and to even just have me let some of this stuff out. That one, it's important to remember our why, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in those moments where we are feeling really defeated uh, and two, it's important to remember that you are trying and that you are, you are doing the damn thing. You are keeping it together. Keeping it together. I always use the phrase like, I'm doing the damn thing. And it's like a good confidence mode. Um, I'll, I'll kind of end on this note. My dad gave me this piece of advice. Um, he gives it to anybody that graduates college, that graduates high school. And it's like funny because you would never think my dad were to say this. Um, 
he's a very like keeps to himself, like kind of quiet guy. And I remember he sat me down when I graduated college and was when I was getting ready to move here. And he goes, Alyssa, whatever you do when you get out there, do it with a little bit of swagger. And I go, what? He goes, gotta have some swag. I'm like, dad, who are you? Like, why would you say that? And he's like, swag. I'm like, can you please explain this and top, stop telling me to have some swag? I'm just swag. picturing your dad say swagger. And I'm like, and, what? and he goes, whatever you do, have the confidence that you need that builds you up to make you seem like you got it going on. And especially in those moments when you don't think you have it going on, that swag will help you keep on going. And I was like, huh. That kind of makes some sense. And a lot of times when I get down, I remember I have a little swag. Have a little swag. Whether that's I put in my AirPods and I listen to some music that makes me walk down the street to a good beat. And I just remember that I'm like, I'm doing the damn thing and I'm going to have a little swag while doing it. <laughs> I see you dancing and I'm dying. Well, that's... Well, 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 <laughs> well that's for now on keeping it together. <laughs> <laughs> that think, that's it y'all that's it have a little swag of doing the damn thing <laughs> you go hit the old town road now <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm done uh thanks guys for tuning in to today's whirlwind of an episode uh once again my name is Alyssa. i'm sabrina and thanks for keeping it together with us this week and we'll see you back next week for episode 55 get tickets to the live show come and see us Keeping it together